Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, celebrating 20 years of bringing the outdoors to Colorado radio, here's Terry Wickstrom. All right, we're back, and in just a minute, we're going to be joined by Nate Zielinski. Um, He's been missing for a few weeks. He's been off on a quest. In fact, he's available right now. Let's go to the phones and joining us from Tightline Outdoors, Mr. Zielinski. Good morning. Good morning, Terry. How are you? I'm doing well. It's been a while since we spoke. It has. I've been uh, lost in the mountains for uh, for the last three weeks or so, so excited well, you know, to, uh, to get back on the air. Somebody asked me once if I was ever lost, and I said no, but I was a might-bewildered once for three days. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So I don't always know where I'm at, but I'm never lost. <laughs> there you go. There you go. I like it. Yeah. No, so it's—, it's, it's uh, no, it's good. And you've been hunting. Of course, there's a lot more hunting coming. The elk season started. There's fall fishing. Nate, there's so much that goes on this time of the year. Oh, there is. You know, I was uh, chasing bighorn sheep for the last three weeks. And, uh, you know, in the midst of that, you know, the pronghorn archery season started. And now the, the elk and deer seasons are started. And kind of everything's taking place. I mean, it's fall fishing, you know, is starting. Um, I mean, if you are uh, an avid outdoorsman, you kind of keep track of the seasons. And I'll tell you, there's a, a lot more leaves changing colors uh, right now than there there was the last two or three years. So fall is in the air. The, the morning temps in the high country are cool. Uh, I mean, obviously, I was up in extreme high country chasing sheep, but I had uh, I had one snowstorm that dropped about seven inches of snow on me up in the high country. So I would say fall is in the air and everything that comes with that both fishing and hunting is uh, in full swing. The, the the grand opening day of dove season started today, so uh, it is in the air. Whether people, you know, I think every year it kind of sneaks up on it. It seems like everybody's schedules get busier and busier, and I think everybody thinks the fall comes later. Uh, but it is here. It is full-blown everything right now as we speak. Now, I know you're going to talk hunting and fishing. By the way, we just got done talking to Darren Lindsay from A&A, and I understand you're getting some accessories put on your new truck, but um, he's up there dove hunting. And whenever somebody's dove hunting, I told Darren, I never ask them, how many doves did you shoot? Because doves are a conspiracy by the ammunition companies to sell shells. I ask them <laughs> if you're if you're seeing doves. I never ask how many you're getting. <laughs> oh, it's funny. I, uh, you know, actually, I, I got to be on the water this afternoon. I took an afternoon trip so I could spend some time with my kids this morning. And we uh, we just stocked up on uh, on shotgun shells. We're going to go Monday morning. And, uh, there's no doubt it's I wish it was a ratio of uh, one to one, but you know you probably average seventy five to one hundred shots to get that uh, that that magic limit of doves. So yeah, I it's, think uh, it's definitely more of a shooting sport than a, than, a, than an actual harvesting sport. Yeah, right. You're not going to put that's going to be expensive meat, but it's fun and it's a great tune up and and you know even though we've had cooler nights and the nights you know the the angle of the sun is lower and we've got the um, the angle of the sun lower, cooler nights and then we've got the water starting to cool down, but we still, even though the temper daytime temperatures have been high, but we haven't driven the doves out of the Northeast yet. It hasn't been that cold yet. It's getting the fish into almost a fall pattern early on the lakes. Exactly. So it's, it's kind of the perfect fall. We're going to go into a kind of slow, no drastic changes, just kind of a, a nice cooler year. Had a lot of good rain in July, kind of put out some of those fires and helped us out in a lot of areas. And that kind of brought on some of those cooler temps. So definitely, I mean, whether you're fishing or hunting, it's there. I mean, I, 
I can tell you that, you know, again, everybody talks to elk rut, and it's obviously different in every situation, but we're definitely in some portions of the state, some regions, and some elevations. Uh, we're hearing a lot of bugling, a lot of calling activity, so that seems to be really, really good. And then the fall fishing, you know, the pike are definitely in that, that swing of things, so they're feeling the fall temps. They're biting hard. The trout are biting strong. Out are definitely in that fall phase, so uh, it just seems to be a, a good fall all around for uh, for no matter what you chase. It seems like. So if you were um, right now, of course, a lot of the archery guys are in the field, but if they're not, or if they're getting ready for the upcoming muzzleloader system, what should they be doing elk wise? You know, the biggest thing, you know, obviously, I mean, for the muzzleloader, shooting your guns, it seems like. Uh, you know, a lot of places were, were out. I don't know if there was a lead situation or what. I know I talked to some of the guys at Hornady, and I know that they were about a month behind schedule. So, um, you know, if you're out there and you're struggling, you know, I think all the retailers, I mean, your Bass Pros, Cabela's, everywhere seems to got supplies just this last week as far as bullets and powder. Uh, but there definitely was kind of a shortage this year. So all that stuff's in. So make sure you get the right ammo. Make sure you get the, the right powder. and Make sure you're shooting to make sure you're good there. So number one, do that. And we really encourage people to to shoot away from where they're hunting you know don't don't be the guy that's shooting in camp that's just warning those elk hey we have guns now and we're coming at you you know so try to shoot away from the areas in which you're hunting and then obviously do as much scouting as possible i mean the biggest thing i think uh you know we always talk about scouting but you know get out in there and just observe for a little bit and watch what the animals are doing i think that's the biggest thing because obviously everybody always hits me up and they ask questions about calling hey what should I be doing more? More bugling, more cow calls. What's the hottest cow call? And, you know, more so than actually the the sequence of the calls or the volume of the calls, you know, just mimic the elk. So get out there scouting. See what the elk are doing. If the elk are bugling, you should be bugling. If the elk are, you know, cow talking, you should be cow talking. But if the animals are not talking, you should not be talking. So in your midst of scouting, trying to find animals, find bulls, find cows, find water holes, just observe for a little bit and see what they're naturally doing. And again, you're doing more so of a mimicking, more so than a, a forced call. So I'd say right now, since we're so close to the season, you know, we're a week away from muzzleloader, we're a week away from the prime rut for archery. So with that said, get out there and just watch. Even if you're out there actively hunting with a bow right now, just watch what the animals are doing and keep that in mind. Again, if the woods seem kind of quiet, not a lot of talking going on, by no means should you be out there, the guy, you know, bugling off every ridge and cow calling in every valley. You know, you should really think about what the animals are doing, mimic that, and that's going to take you a lot further in your success rate this coming fall. Well, you know, uh, I think the two biggest mistakes in all the calling sports, whether it's elk, turkey, waterfall, the two things, the two biggest mistakes is people tend to call too much, especially especially beginning hunters, and they think the call has to be perfect. Elk don't all sound perfect, just like yeah. you and I have different voices and we and sore throats and everything else. The, the call doesn't have to be perfect. Just don't overdo it. That's it. I'd, I'd say less is more in that game 100% of the time. And, and absolutely, you know, I, I've had a very, very successful, you know, this far of my career calling. And I can tell you, I'm probably one of the worst callers out there. I don't even use a diaphragm. I'm using plain Jane, normal, you know, hand calls. Um, I cannot say that I am by any means on that, that elitist style of some of the callers and some of the friends and people that I hang out with and associate with. Um, but I'll tell you, it gets the job done. So by no means get caught up in that fear of, hey, 
I'm not a good caller. I'm not going to be successful. I mean, I've heard these bulls that are so fired up. They're so hoarse. Some of them, I mean, some of them make the worst tones. It's more. The bulls would, the bulls would never win a calling contest. (laughs) Exactly. That's a hundred percent it, Terry. I mean, just, just get out there. Don't overdo it. Mimic what they're doing. And you're, and you're going to find yourself in a successful situation. Hey, Nate, before we run out of time, um, I want to cover a couple things. Eventually I want to get to our ice fishing because today's the last day to register, but Let's talk fishing in general. We've got a long weekend. A lot of people are taking extra time off. Looks like for the most part it's going to be decent weather, a few storms in the evenings. But what are you seeing out there? And if people, whether it's a guide trip or they just want to get out with their kids, what are you seeing? You know, the three species that I would say right now that's kind of feeling that fall pattern, walleye for one. The walleye angler, right now the reaction baits are starting. So we're dropping off all the bait, all the live bait stuff. Right now it's about reaction. So we're using a lot of blade baits, a lot of jigging wraps, a lot of jigging spoons. The walleyes are so shallow. So a lot of guys, when they think that fall approach is coming to that reaction bite, they immediately think deep, and it's not the case. So we're fishing still semi-shallow. But we're with reaction bites, we're with reaction baits, and that's good at Cherry Creek, Chatfield, Pueblo, all up and down the front range. Reaction baits are the key. Then trout fishing, and taro and spinny right now are phenomenal. So if you have family, you have kids, that trout bite is one that I would say is, is dynamite. At both these lakes, doing a lot of spoon fishing, so Tasmanian Devil, Castmasters, also doing a lot of swimming tube jigs. So we're taking a tube jig, instead of running it on the bottom, we're just swimming it up higher in the water column. Uh, and again, anybody can do that, not a whole lot of uh, you know rhythm to it, and those fish are just going crazy for that bait. And the third bite is the big pike. The second we start getting slightly cooler temperatures, those pike want to bulk up for the upcoming winter. So the second those temps start falling, those pike go crazy. So right now, from now until about the next five weeks, is your your prime time for those huge pike. And using all kinds of stuff. I mean, spinner baits. There's still a hint of a buzz bait bite going on. Uh, big jerk baits, big swim baits. Uh, but these fish are, are are angry and they're hungry, and then they're you know good time to take advantage of that opportunity. So the walleye, the trout, and the pike are the three species that I would target most right now if you're going out. What about lakes like Terriol? Maybe they're not, you know, because Terriol maybe has a little more abundance of fish but doesn't have the size of Antero or Spinny. Would you approach that differently? or was there, would no, you maybe... Right now it's almost the same. You could definitely, you could use alternative things like a Terriol. You're allowed to use bait there. So you could sit on shore with, with a power bait and a worm and catch a ton of trout. Um, but you also have the opportunity, that same thing. If you use those same spoons in a brighter color, um, you're going to have that same success success rate, which is great. And Terriel, same thing, you know, huge pike and a great trout population. So you go there and, and essentially, you know, catch the, the, both the species that are both prime time right now, uh, which is great. So again, you're going to have lots of opportunity there, but again, that spoon and, and those swimming, you know, two and a half inch to three inch tube jigs um, are, are working extremely well for all sizes of fish in all the lakes up in South Park, for sure. Well, one of the things I tell shore anglers that lakes like Terriol and, you know, and some of the others like Pinewood and and uh, it's up and down the front range where a lot of shore fishermen, the water's cooling, the trout are going to get closer to shore um, as this water cools where they've been maybe a little distant from shore, more more of a boat bite. But now you can put that power bait out there if you have a two-rod stamp, a second-rod stamp, and you can actually use that because you can't chum in Colorado, but you can put power bait out on a hook, which acts like a chum. And it, you may catch fish on the power bait, but you're going to bring them a lot of them around from that scent. And then you can throw your spoons or your spinners or your tubes right around that power bait. Absolutely, Terry. You know, I think it's one of those things that 
I mean, a lot of people, you know, are, are too good for the power, but you hear this all the time, things like that. You know, I have four and a half year old twins. Everybody knows Lane and Laura. They see pictures of them. And, you know, my kids love that. You know, they, they enjoy casting and trimming in lures, but they love sitting on shore with, with a power bait type system. And, uh, yeah, they catch a lot of fish. I mean, I took them, you know, to some of these lakes that, you know, are, are highly pressured, and I didn't think you'd have a chance. And these, you know, the kids are out fishing. I mean, my four-and-a-half-year-old twins are out fishing me on power bait versus a lot of spoons and, you know, custom-made jerk baits and things like that. So it is an approach that works very well, especially if you have youth. Um, you know, so, yeah, the carry-alls, things like that, you know, you're going to have some less crowds there, no no recreational boating, um, you know, so less people, and you're going to catch a pile of fish right now. Uh, again, you want to act your fish, throw the spoons. If you want to, you know, kind of relax more, fish those type power baits, you know, do a longer lead. There's still some, some quite a bit of weed that power bait's going to float. So I love running like a slip sinker, a barrel swivel, and then I'll run like 18 inches of the line to like a small Eagle claw hook and put my power bait on that. And that way that, that bait is going to float about 18 inches up and that weed's going to be about a 12 inches up. So if you have your power bait too low, you're going to be buried in the weeds, but give yourself a little bit of a leader, 18, 24 inches. It's going to float up out of those weeds. The fish will see it. They'll smell it. Um, and that's going to be a, a good, again, key to success right there to catch a Okay, the last thing I want to cover with you, today is the last day, which you and I wish it was going further, but this is what was decided. You have till midnight tonight to register for our trip. Um, You and I are going to take one lucky winner. We'll win a trip for two to go ice fishing with you and I. We'll arrange the schedule depending on ice conditions and thing. We're shooting probably for December. Um, and a couple of the guys from Sun Power Sports are going to come with us. They're sponsoring this tournament. They're going to bring some of their ATVs. Um, people just need to get in register. You got any comments you want to make about the ice fishing? You know, tournament? I mean, I think one of the biggest things, I mean, everybody sees it when you come to ice fish and they see us guiding. Everybody sees that big track ATV I have. You know, and people don't realize that that was all, you know, that's son. They put that package together for me. I mean, when it comes to, to that winter stuff, that's it. If you want to ride that machine, you want to drive that tracked ATV, the machine that will literally go anywhere a tank will go, uh, this is your trip. So, I mean, whether you want to have an experience to catch a ton of fish, you know, maybe big lake trout, big rainbows, we're not sure yet, but you're going to catch some big fish. So that's an opportunity to register. Two, if you just want to drive a lot of cool ATVs and these literally amazing winter machines, tracked machines, you know, register just to drive those. Or if you just want to hang out and talk to us and pick our brains about hunting, fishing, or anything else you want to talk about in life, um, you can register for that. So there's literally a lot of things happening on that day, uh, and it's going to be a lot of fun. So, again, yeah, make sure you register. Tell all your friends. You know, hey, I always say tell all your buddies and just, you know, agree to them, hey, there's this opportunity. you got to register. But if you win, you got to take me. So it yeah. ups your odds. I, right, I, I, I've work. noticed on Facebook a lot of people don't share the post about how to register. You and I <laughs> both have posts out on our Facebook pages. We've done videos, folks. Go look at it. We talk about the trip. We tell you how to register and share them. Don't be afraid you're going to have too many people to compete against. But a lot of people are doing that. The other thing, Nate, they can register by going to 1043thefan.com and going to my page. They can go to your Facebook page and find out about it. They can go to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Facebook and find out about it. Or they can stop by Sun and fill out a blank piece of paper if you don't have internet. I mean, they've got a drawing box there. But you got till midnight tonight, and that's it. Then the drawing will be coming up probably in the next week or two. So, Nate, we got to let you go. But if people want to book a trip, how do they find you? You know, everything's associated with tightlineoutdoors.com. Go to tightlineoutdoors.com. 
get all the information, get a hold of us, shoot us a text, email. Love to help you out, tell you about the hottest bites, and uh, yeah, you catch some more fish. All right. Thanks, Nate. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. You're listening to Terry Wicks from Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Sandy Clef here to tell you about SCL Mortgage Special Circumstance Lending, locally owned and operated. And if you're self-employed or work on commission, this is the place for you. Bank statement loans are back. You don't need tax returns to do your loan. In some cases, the bank statement loans can be done with credit scores in the low 600s. MySpecialMortgage.com on the web, 303-790-2222. The phone number, SCL Mortgage, licensed by the Colorado Department of Regulatory Agencies, number 120. 00716. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan, presented in part by Sun Power Sports, Colorado's largest ATV and motorcycle dealer. Let's go right to the phones, and joining us from the Blue Quill Angler is Chris Steinbeck. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, Terry. How are you? I'm doing great. You know, we've been trying to keep a little closer track of the fly fishing this year because we had such limited snowpack, and we knew it was going to impact both the quality of the fishing, but the water quality and the stress on the fish, and we've been trying to keep people appraised. And you can correct me if I'm wrong, but even though it's been 90 degrees down here, we're starting to see longer nights. The sun is at a lower perspective in the sky. We're starting to get a little bit cooler water coming down from the mountains, and the farmers are drawing irrigation water out of our reservoirs, which is increasing some of the flows. So I've got a sneaking suspicion a lot of these streams are getting very comfortably comfortable temperatures and starting to turn on. Am I right? You are exactly right. You know, earlier in the summer is a big worry for everybody. And, um, you know, I think most people did their part and pulled off the water when they needed to. And, um, and you hit the nail on the head. Right now, the water temperatures aren't an issue, at least here in the front range for most waters, um, like they were earlier in the summer. Um, and the, the rains we got back in July and then through early August, that helped out a lot, too. Well, and, and people, we still want people to be cautious. If you're, like right now, this weekend, below Pueblo Reservoir, um, they're, they're, the temperatures are getting a little high. They're kind of asking people to only fish early in the morning. But Tuesday, they're going to start drying water, and those temperatures with that 40-degree water at the bottom of the dam should mitigate that, and it should be fine. So just for this weekend. But other than that, uh, most of the front range I've heard about is pretty good. How about the waters you fish specifically? Yeah, you know, so we've been doing a lot of work up on the South Platte River and Cheeseman Canyon and up in Deckers and um, a lot up north on the Colorado River and the Williams Fork tailwater. And um, all those drainages have been fishing so well. The Colorado's been fishing fantastic. Um, the float trips we're running down there are really successful right now. Um, the fish are really happy. And uh, it falls in the air. I, it's just going to be a matter of uh, short weeks here before we're going to see a lot of the leaves start changing. Those cool early morning temperatures are well welcomed right now. Um, the South Platte, the fishing's been really good. Um, the PMDs are starting to hatch off in full force, which is a tad later than they have been in years past. Um, but they're going really well. And for all you river fishermen out there, we're going to be seeing a lot of our pseudoclones, which are little tiny bluing olives for uh, the next month, two months of the fall here. And I, uh, that is a fun hatch to fish. So you're, are you fishing dries, nymphs, both in the, the South Platte drainage? Yeah. We're doing both. I'm typically starting off early in the morning throwing subsurface on nymphs, and um, smaller midges are always a good ticket out on, you know, Deckers and in Cheeseman. And then as uh, the day warms up, mid-morning, you're starting to see a lot of dry fly opportunities and for the whole rest of the afternoon and early evenings. And what about on the Colorado? You mentioned that. One of my favorite things on the Colorado is to... Um, 
to go after those big browns, it's almost like bass fishing. Are they starting to get active? We used to throw big streamers right against the shore. It's, it's, it's that beautiful time of year. They are starting to get active, um, and they will stay active all fall. You know, obviously browns get really aggressive in the fall as they spawn. Um, and right now we're in pre-spawn conditions, and we will be hopefully for another few weeks before they really get going. And uh, they get aggressive. They're looking to fatten up before winter. They're getting, yeah, getting their meat-eating face on. Well, you know, and one tip. I know we're, we're talking mostly fly fishing here, but sometimes people will book a trip, and maybe their partner's not a fly fisherman. Uh, this time of the year when those browns are active, you can take a small hard bait on a spinning rod and throw that against those banks, too, so that your other person, and it can be extremely effective. And that's it, you know, and it's a... Uh, this time of year, everybody's going to have fun on the river. Conventional fishing, fly fishing, it doesn't matter. Just go have fun. Get out and fish. Oh, you're, uh, no, you're absolutely right. And, uh, and for those listeners out there who have been kind of eager about learning about fly fishing, and, uh, you know, there, there is a big threshold getting into the sport, um, come up to the Blue Quill. We do a lot of classes. Uh, we have an introduction class we run once a week. And that's, it's basically our goal to get you self-sufficient on the river after one class. Um, our instructor is a gentleman named Kerry Carriger, who's well known in the fly fishing industry, and he's one of the best instructors around. And uh, he makes it fun. He takes the, uh, that kind of scared feeling of learning to fly fish out of the equation and just realizing it's just another form of fishing. Well, you know, one of the things I suggest to people getting into fly fishing is first get, watch some videos, get a few books, and learn a little bit. But before you even buy a fly rod, go to a shop like the Blue Quill, and if you can't take a class, take a guide trip because they're going to have equipment, mm-hmm. and they're going to be able to tell you if there's maybe some equipment that's better suited for you. Now, we can give them the generalities. I know most of the time, I think you probably tell people, if you're going to have one fly rod in Colorado, probably a five-weight. Is that probably what you tell them? Yeah, five-weight's very versatile. Right, and that's a great rod to have here, but maybe it's somebody who's going to fish more small fish, and they've got, you know, they just want to learn with a less fatiguing rod. You could go down to a three or a four, or maybe you're just going to chase those big browns and some pike. Well, you might need a seven or eight or something like that. But at least you're going to get the nuances because, you know, you read that book, you watch that video, and you see the guy tie a knot, you see him cast and, and, and tell you what he's doing. But it's not the same as when you're doing it and somebody's standing there helping you and helping you with those little nuances that you never pick up unless you're actually doing it. It's exactly right. So much fly fishing is a feel to it. And you know, for people getting out there, like you said, we have all the equipment for you. Don't feel like you got to go buy everything to learn it. You know, make sure you're going to love it first, and that's what we're here for. Um, in any way we can help out, we have a big lawn in the back of our fly shop that people come cast a fly rod, see what it's all about. And, uh, and any way we can help, I keep saying that because it's important. It's just there's a big learning curve in fly fishing, and uh, the shorter you make that learning curve, the the more fish you get into, obviously, right off the bat. Well, you know, another thing with beginning fly anglers, they think they have to be a perfect caster. And I'll guarantee you that I'm far from a perfect fly caster. <laughs> I came from the conventional fishing world and took up fly fishing later in life. And I've been really fortunate to fish with people like Bob Jacklin and to interface with Lefty Cray and some of these guys. And they've all given me tips that twisted me in knots. But, <laughs> but 
is, first of all, most of the fish you don't have to cast that far, and, and especially in Colorado. I mean, it's and I've seen a lot of fishermen catch a lot, lot less fish because they were so enamored watching their back cast that the <laughs> fly was never in the water. You know, you want to get more proficient. As you get more proficient, you're going to be a better fly angler, but you certainly can enjoy the sport long before you're an excellent fly caster. Oh, without a doubt. Most of the time, we can get within 15, 20 feet of fish. And so it's the, people see a river runs through it with Brad Pitt, and they see him casting in that movie, and they get really intimidated. And that is not practical here in Colorado. Most no. of, like you said, most of all the time, our casting is not It's easy. We teach all the time. We take people who've never even held fishing rods, and we could put them into fish usually pretty consistently quick in the day. Did I ever tell you my Lefty Cray and Bob Clauser story? I know, but I want to hear it. No, they were both on the air. And, and Bob goes, Lefty, do you remember what you told me the first time we fished together? <laughs> and, and Bob goes, yeah. And Lefty goes, yeah. He says, I asked you, do you watch your back cast? <laughs> and, and Bob said, no, I don't watch it. And Lefty goes, good, I wouldn't want to look at it either. <laughs> uh, Lefty made such an impact. I, uh, but we lost a great one last year, that's for did. sure. Yeah. Hey, Chris, before we let you go, one water you and I have talked about in the past was up around um, Williams Fork, the tailwaters, yes. and maybe even the salmon. Have you heard anything about the salmon over by the tailor? And that? What's going on? I, I uh, haven't heard too much about the salmon. Obviously, they are in the Williams Fork. And as they start to run up um, the upper Williams Fork, I know they put a, um, a closure in there to protect those salmon. Um, down below in the tailwater, you're not going to see as many of those kokanees, but you're going to see um, a lot of rainbows and a lot of healthy browns that are moving up from the Colorado. And uh, this time of year, I mean, that river is lined with cottonwood trees on both sides of the banks. And as those leaves start to change, they turn golds and yellows and fire oranges, and it's the most beautiful place. And yeah, it's just so much fun to fish up there. And one tip I'll give people when you're on those rivers lined with trees, this is the time. Now, normally in the spring I tell people to stay out of the water because of the flows, but flows are usually lower right now. You can probably get out on the edge and have a little a little river behind you to make your cast. makes life a little easier or water-loaded if you're not a great caster. That's exactly it. And go have fun. You know, the bugs are, you're going to see a lot of red quills up on the Williams floor. Caddis are still going. Those PMDs, you're seeing trichos in the morning. So there's so many different aquatic insects that are active in the water, making all those trout really happy and hungry and good, healthy fish. Chris, we got to go. How do people find Blue Quill if they want one of your classes or just to come and kick the tires a little bit on some of the equipment? How do they find you? You guys come up to our shop. We're located right in Evergreen, the northern part of Evergreen, 25 minutes outside of Denver. You can look us up online. We're at www.blueisinthecolorquillangler.com. And uh, feel free, call us at the shop, 303-674-4700. And one other quick tidbit, Terry, um, in addition to that introduction class, we're also running float tube classes right now as well. In the float tube class, anybody who's interested, see the guys out in the belly boats of the lakes, we're running these classes and we have all the equipment for you. Come up, we have two, Joe Schaefer and Jerry Vigil, two really prominent stillwater fishermen teaching you. Um, like I said, call us up at the shop, look us up on the Internet, and uh, sign up for the classes and learn a whole new aspect of fly fishing. Chris, thanks for joining. As always, great information. And, of course, they can always contact you guys at the Blue Quill anytime for updates. That's it. Anytime, call us. And uh, there's no stupid questions. And, Terry, thank you very much for having me. It's always a pleasure. All right. Thank you, my friend. We'll talk again soon. I look forward to it. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan.
Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sun Power Sports, Colorado's largest ATV and motorcycle dealer. You know, if you enjoy the information we bring you on this show, you really need to follow Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Facebook. What do you get on Facebook, okay? First of all, you're going to find out about upcoming events and things we're involved in and things we're going to talk about on this show. A lot of the time we preview those on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Facebook. A lot of times there's events that we're, are, we're, we're part of or we're putting on or we're promoting. We're going to put those events so you know what's coming up. A couple come to mind. Next week, next Saturday, September 8th, Trigger Time Gun Club is going to have the people from STI Handguns on premises and from 8 o'clock to 1 o'clock on Saturday next week, whether you're a member or a non-member, you can go into Trigger Time Gun Club, shoot these high-end competition pistols, handguns. Uh, They're their 2011s, they call them, their version of the 1911, but so different and so much better. These are the guns the competitive shooters shoot. Gives you a chance to shoot one without spending thousands of dollars to see what it's like. All they're going to charge you is the price of ammunition. While you're there, not only will you get to shoot the STI handguns at trigger time, but you'll get to give Trigger Time Gun Club a trial run, which is normally a members-only shooting. So non-members, here's your chance to go in. See, do I like trigger time? Is this something I might want to do? And I get to shoot these great STI handguns while I'm here just for the price of a box of ammunition? Fantastic. So make sure you don't have to pre-register, but you can find them at TriggerTimeGunClub.com. They're right off the Longmont exit, just a couple, just a half a mile off the road. I mean, you go down and make a couple turns. They're right there. So stop by next Saturday. What else would you know if you listened to follow Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Facebook? You would know that Nate Zelinski and I are along with Sun Power Sports, are giving away an ice fishing trip. And today is the last day to register. I have a video on my Facebook page, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, that tells you how you can sign up where you and a friend could get to spend a day on the ice, all-inclusive. You have to supply nothing, just warm clothing and show up for a day ice fishing with myself and Nate Zielinski. Trust me, you will learn a lot. You will catch fish, and we'll have a great time. You get to know us, and we can talk fishing, hunting, whatever you want. So you would know all that if you followed Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Facebook. You'd also get to see my Denver Post article that gets posted every week. Karen puts a link. And you want to read my article on the link we put on Facebook because then you make sure you get all the links to all the audio and video that we might include with it. And we've done, we're talking a lot of reaction fishing in the fall right now. I've done two or three articles over the last month on that type of fishing. You can go back, get those links by paging down on my Facebook page, read those articles. Very, very pertinent, very, very important. Also, every time we put another show on our YouTube channel, we post it on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Facebook. There's over 100 episodes up there. So follow us on Facebook and make sure you tune in all the time. We're going to take a break. We'll be back with Ronnie Castiglione for one more segment on fishing on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors presented by... Sun Power Sports, Colorado's largest ATV and motorcycle dealer. We're going to go right to the phones. And joining us, as he does every other week from the Fishful Thinker organization, Ronnie Castiglione. And he's going to talk to us about something I've actually been writing about in the post over the last three, four weeks. And that's uh, we're getting towards fall and power fishing and finding the fish. Ronnie, it couldn't be a more appropriate topic. 
Ball is definitely in the air. Terry, how you doing this morning? I'm doing great. No, you're absolutely right. And we've talked off and on about the rivers and a little bit about the lakes. And people get caught by surprise because they think, well, the air has been almost 90 degrees. But the nights, the daylight period is much shorter. The sun is at a much lower apex, so the it, it doesn't heat the water as much with the solar energy. The little bits of flows that are coming in are cool again. So those water temperatures are actually dropping more than people think. Yeah, they are. And the other big thing that's happening is that the bait fish are really getting prolific around the state. Uh, This time of year, the shad, if you're on a shad-based lake, are really up and getting moved around the lake and that kind of a thing. And, you know, one of the big deals, I know you guys have been talking a little bit already about, uh, you know, power fishing and reaction baits and things like that and getting the fish to respond and react. But one of the big points I want to make for people, Terry, is that this time of year, one of the reasons the reaction baits shine is because a lot of them allow you to cover a lot of water when you're fishing those presentations, Terry. And covering water this time of year as you get into fall is very, very important. It's one of the big deals, Terry. And I'm not talking about just going out there and fishing, you know, a mile of a bank, that kind of a thing, and covering that whole stretch of water. I'm talking about if you're on one end of the lake, Terry, let's say you're on the south end of Horse Tooth, and you're, you're not seeing any bait fish, you're not getting any bites, well, then you may want to move all the way to the north end of Horse Tooth, Terry. Or, or maybe if you're on the east side of a lake and you're not seeing any fish and you're not getting any bites, then, then you need to go ahead and move around and get to the west side of the lake, Terry. You need to make big moves this time of year. Utilize your electronics to kind of narrow down the areas that you've moved to. And once you locate the bait fish, then come in and find the adjacent structure or things like that, Terry, and and get from what those power fishing techniques, Terry. It's definitely that time of year. Well, there's a reason they call most of the bait fish in Colorado pelagic, which means they roam, and they do. And this time of the year when the temperatures are changing, those bait fish will move shallow, and then they'll school up and be on the surface. They'll go deep, and they'll be in all any or any one or all of those locations at any given time. And I can remember a time when fishing with Jimmy Randash in the PWT championship, when Jimmy was catching fish, he had several points marked and he marked fish on every one of those points, but he only caught them when he had bait fish marked. And I said, Jimmy, I said, that's because the fish that are by those bait fish are feeding. And he said, he ended the tournament by saying, find the groceries, you'll catch the fish. Yeah, absolutely, Terry. You know, it's very, very common for me on a lake like Horsetooth, where there is a lot of points and there's a lot of main lake humps and things like that. It's very common for me as we get into this time of year to head out there and and spend the first hour or so doing nothing but scanning, Terry. You know, really just making a lap of the entire lake, running over some of the key structure, running over some of that, some of those key areas, and utilizing the Lowrance HDS, putting the scan on one screen, putting a down scan on the other screen, and really looking for, you know, I'm usually looking for two things, Terry, on my electronics. I'm looking for the bait fish, and it's definitely about finding the big schools of shad and things like that, but I'm also trying to pick out the larger returns that are in in and amongst the bait fish this time of year, Terry. So, you know, for me, it's like, yeah, you find the bait, you find the fish, but sometimes you may find the bait and there's no predators with them, and the bait's just kind of chilling, and, and maybe it's just kind of on the surface, but it's not not really getting chased. It's not getting harassed. It's happy shad is what I call them, Terry. They're just happy. Nobody's messing with them. Those aren't really the ones. That's not what you're looking for. What you're looking for is you're looking for those shad that are near the predators that are actively being schooled upon, the ones that are getting 
getting busted. The ones that are getting ambushed is they get pushed onto a main lake point, something like that on horse tooth. Uh, those are the fish right now. Those are the ones that, that you're trying to find. If, if you're not near the bait, you're not near the predators, then you're definitely not near anything you're going to catch, Terry. Well, you're absolutely right. Now, when you go, when you do find these, depending on their depth, of course, and if you locate them deep or on the surface, what types of presentations are you using for the different areas you find them? Well, Terry, you know, that's what I'm going to try to determine on any given day. The two things I'm going to look for, I'm going to try to figure out on any given day whether or not these fish want a vertical presentation, whether or not they want a horizontal presentation. If it's a vertical bite, if it seems like they want something falling, Terry, then I'm going to go at them with something like a jigging spoon or maybe a gulp minnow on a, on a pretty heavy jig head, maybe a, a tube jig with a, with a half-ounce jig head in it, something that I can rip vertically and allow to fall through the water column. A blade bait, something like that, is also an excellent choice. Now, that's when they were wanting that's ripped up and something that's fallen. There's other days, Terry, where they won't bite the falling presentations or the vertical presentations. They want something moving horizontally. So in those scenarios, it's a great time of year to get out and run a crankbait around, a uh, shallow diving square bill or even a deep diving crankbait, something like that. If I'm on a lake that's got grass or aquatic vegetation still, like Boyd, for example, I was on Boyd this morning, Terry, and we spent a good amount of time running around, and, and the fish really wanted something moving horizontally, so we got them to bite down the bite the chatterbait really really good terry in amounts of that grass so you know i'm looking for baits like that baits that i can cover water that i can fish through different parts of the water column good thing about like a chatterbait or a spinnerbait is you slow that thing down and it sinks through the water column so not only can i fish it over the top of a lot of that submerged grass that's still in the lake but when i get to the edges terry of that submerged grass i can slow those presentations down and i can allow them to fall deeper along the edges of those grass that's one of the ways we really get a lot of the large mouth and the walleyes to bite on Boyd. You know, so those are the kind of things I'm going to determine, Terry. And then the, the other deal this time of year, Terry, without a doubt, this time of year, fishing a surface lure can be one of your best choices. A horse tooth right now, surface lures are kind of a no-brainer. The smallmouth will absolutely crush a walking bait. They'll come up and get a whopper plopper or a prop bait. They'll come up and get a popper if you're working it relatively quick, not just letting it sit out there, but kind of walking it and ripping it along. So a surface lure, if those fish are real, real shallow, if they're looking up, surface lures in the fall, Terry, you can cover a lot of water, and you, you can get the fish to show themselves a lot of times, too, Terry. Sometimes the fish on board are, are notorious for coming up and slapping at a surface lure, but not really getting it if you turn around and you throw a follow-up bait to those fish something like a jig and just kind of toss right into that same area you can often get those fish to come back and bite immediately after they surfaced and missed the surface lure terry so this time of year moving around covering that kind of thing looking for the bait fish looking for the bait fish that are in the basins of the lake like on boyd and then fishing the adjacent structure terry get out there and do it fall is probably my favorite time of the year terry um that's when i really get out and try to target my big fish, especially those big trout that we've been catching up on horse tooth for the last few years. Uh, I love fall, Terry, but there's a lot of times where it's open water kind of a deal, and it's really about covering it, about getting away from the shore and getting out there and being where the bait is, Terry. Ronnie, last question before I have to let you go. Are you seeing any of the white bass showing up at Boyd? You know, I'll tell you this about the white bass, Terry. It really seems to me that the number of white bass has gone down the last couple of years. 
we're not seeing the huge schools that we've seen in the past. And what I really think is that the white bass got harvested pretty hard the last couple of years, Terry. Uh, the water was flowing into Boyd at the right time of spring that the white bass really pushed hard up into that main lake channel and the marina there and spawned up in there. Well, that makes them really, really easy picking for the shore anglers that come up there and line the banks. And it really seems like because of the way the water came in the last few years that, that the, the white bass population has been thinned out a little bit on Boyd. Now, in saying that, Terry, it only takes a year or two for those white bass to come back really prolific. But we're just not seeing them like we saw them three, four, five years ago, Terry. No, I understand completely. Although, if you really want to catch some white bass, if you want to take the drive to John Martin, now you almost got to shake them off your lure because you get one on every cast. They're going nuts down there, along with the saw guys. I'm hearing saw guys up to 25 inches. So, if you're going to get out and fish, horse tooth, Boyd, which one would you choose? Horse tooth right now. I think there's a better bite of horse tooth. Boyd's kind of in an in between stage right now. The really thick aquatic vegetation, the big matted pondweed, is kind of going away. Now the lake's still full of this real stringy kind of eelgrassy type of stuff that's in the lake. Uh, that stuff, there's a, there's miles and miles of that stuff. Um, once the lake drops another three, four feet, then there'll be just a limited amount of that stringy grass left in the lake, and that's when those fish get real, real easy on board. Uh, horse tooth, the, the, the surface bite right now on horse tooth is kind of a no-brainer for the smallmouth. And the walleye bite's improving up there as well and the walleye should start getting going here on, on the spoon bite as well it's that time of year on horse teeth where we usually start catching walleyes on spoons terry all right ronnie great great segment we got to go but thank you so much let's get together for dinner and maybe a glass of wine soon and we'll talk to you in a couple weeks if not all right buddy you have a good one right ronnie castiglione from fishful thinker if you want to book a trip with those guys it's fishfulthinker.com or fishful thinker on facebook great organization really fish those uh, lakes boyd horse tooth you know most of them just live on horse tooth just about in boyd they really know those lakes with chad and dan swanson and ronnie just great great to get out don't forget to follow us on facebook at terry wickstrom outdoors on facebook because we've got events coming up we've got Articles we're going to be posting. We've got so much going on. Remember, today is the last day to register to win the ice fishing trip. You've got till midnight tonight to register to win the trip with Nate Zielinski and I. We'll draw soon after this, and then one lucky person will win a trip for two, and we'll probably schedule it in December. We want to make sure we have good ice, and we're going to take you out, and you're going to get to fish. I was an original member of the ice team and a founding member. Nate's an incredible ice fishing guide. We're going to have all the equipment. We're going to provide lunch. The guys from Sun Power Sports are going to bring their ATVs. They're sponsoring this trip, so stop by and tell them thank you. Okay, so go out. You can find more about that on my Facebook page. Don't forget about the event at Trigger Time. If you're a handgun enthusiast, you have to go to Trigger Time next Saturday from 8 to 1. The STI guys are going to be there with over a dozen of their high-end competitive-style guns and carry guns and tactical guns. And they're going to be allowing you to shoot those, even if you're not a member of Trigger Time, for the price of ammunition. You show up from 8 to 1, you buy some ammunition, you get to try out the Trigger Time Gun Club lanes, and you get to shoot these great STI guns. So that's 8 to 1 next uh, Saturday at the Trigger Time Gun Club. Join us every Saturday 
at 9, 9 to 11. Occasionally we get a little preemption for a football game, but we try to avoid that. We love talking the outdoors. We love having you listen. Follow my column on the Denver Post. We also post that on my Facebook page, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. We put the most recent fishing reports on my Facebook page, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Facebook. Even our most uh, our most recent YouTube postings of our videos are on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors at Facebook. I want to thank Kyle for keeping the, the machines running, Karen for keeping me in line and putting this show together, and all of you for listening, and we'll see you next week at Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Wait.